back to another episode of Weave Cafe. I'm Chris, that's Claire. We're back with the part two of our Attack on Titan season four part one review. We uh, rambled a lot about a lot of stuff, especially giving Flock shit for not bringing Aaron a fucking shirt. <laughs> and so we're ready to continue on with going through the rest of the episodes. And then I guess we're probably going to wrap up with questions we still have. So uh, where are we starting off today, Claire? All right. So let's just talk once once more about Flock and how he just really needs to learn how to not be codependent with Aaron. I don't think that's possible. Have you met this man? He literally changed his haircut for Aaron. You cannot you cannot convince me otherwise that he was like, man, he probably doesn't like my haircut. And then he goes to like a hairdresser and he's like, okay. What would Aaron like? Okay, so here's how it went. Aaron probably told him he looked like a funking pom-pom with his little pompadour-looking hair. And then he asked Mikasa what Aaron's type is, like what kind of haircuts he likes. And then he took that and ran with it to the hairdresser. And that's what happened. And then I hope... I hope that hairdresser charged him out the ass for that haircut just because he's an annoying shit. Be like, you're doing all this for Aaron Yeager. Aaron Yeager! Yeager! My daughter's pregnant! Aaron Yeager! I did that. I had to get the oil changed on my car a while ago. And so I was, I had to tell my dad, because he's a mechanic, and I was like, the check engine light came on and the oil thing came on. He's like, oh, you're going to need to get your oil changed. And I'm like, Aaron Yeager! And then he looked at me like I was actually insane. I've never met your dad, and I don't even know what he looks like, but I'm like, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, you'd love my dad. Everyone loves my dad. Okay, so Aaron has escaped with the Jaegerists, led by number one fanboy Flock, and their whole thing is that they're trying to reunite Aaron and Zeke, right? So... But they don't know where Zeke is being held, so they have to go and, once again, put their dirty, disgusting hands on our Commander Hanji. How dare they? We fighting. We fighting. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's why I really think that Hanji hasn't given themselves enough credit for being a commander. Because... They thought definitely, like, three steps ahead. Because they didn't really, like, put up that much of, like, a of a fight to, like, go through with... I mean, we didn't get to see, like, they're being, like, 100% captured. Because they're in the... They're in the restaurant. And Nicolo was so fucking close. So close. To snatching a bitch out. Okay, hold on. Before we... Before we... Move back to Hanji. Can we, for the love of God, talk about that whole restaurant episode before Aaron shows up? It's just, it's a roller coaster from start to finish. I know you brought up in the last episode about the the conversation between Nicolo, Jean, and Connie, which is with just wine, yeah. with the wine. And it was just the first thing that I thought of is that he's directing his anger of losing Sasha at the two people that she cared about most and then it was just like but then it's revealed that he knew or he had a suspicion that it was in the wine and so he was actually protecting them 
And really, the only thing that made them kind of pause was, like, him lashing out. So we have that. And then there's the whole scene where Niccolo finds out that Gabby's the one who killed Sasha. And he fucking loses his shit. And honestly, like, I give him props for bringing her up from the wine cellar and handing the knife to Sasha's dad. But knowing Sasha's dad, he would not have done it. So, Niccolo should have done it himself. Also, even though they both didn't do it, uh, Kaya was so fucking close. It fucking... Mikasa hadn't been there, she would have taken that bitch out. Kaya and Niccolo, co-presidents of the Sasha fan club. And then we are number one fans right under them. Oh, 100%. I love her so much. So, we won't touch too much because I think I, I talked more than enough about Sasha and Niccolo's relationship and I really don't feel like crying again today. But just how unapologetically open Niccolo is about talking about his relationship with Sasha makes my heart want to just curl up and shrivel up and die because love isn't real and no one will ever find the love that they had and life is meaningless. (laughs) All right, gotta go tell Jay we're breaking up. I'll be right back. You're not gonna hit a 12-year-old in the face with a wine for me. We're not dating. (laughs) See, the thing is, is I would do that. I don't know if Jalitza would do that. Yeah, gotta bring that up in a conversation. Like, hey, I know we've been dating for a while. We've said I love you many times, but this is a deal breaker. Will you smack a 12-year-old bitch in the face with a wine bottle and then proceed, if that doesn't work, to kill her, stab her? Will you do that for me? There is a correct answer, and if you answer wrong, I'm gonna need you to collect your shit and never talk to me again. Uh, So Hanji, yes, I 100% agree that Hanji is not giving themselves enough credit and you definitely see that self-doubt ever since Erwin died like they are constantly like am I doing this right did he make the right decision like is this what he would do like I don't even really know what I'm doing because like basically they just got to have fun and fuck around with titans all day (laughs) and then shit got real um but yeah they're always thinking like 10 steps ahead Levi is so secluded that, like, nobody knows where he is. Like, I'm pretty sure when they have, like, meeting points for, like, supplies and stuff, like, they weren't going to their actual location. They were going, like, way out of their way to get, like, meet up. They're always just thinking so far ahead. And, like, what's the next move? Like, even when uh, Aaron put his hands on them, you know, obviously it scared them at first, but you could, I could tell... That they were thinking, okay, so I know he's gonna, like, actually do something. He's not just gonna sit here and, like, wait. So we need to start making plans on what to do when he finally escapes. Because it was better to let him think he was getting away with escaping and set up a plan of attack instead of trying to attack him while they're leaving because then they would just lose countless lives for no reason. Like, they would take a bigger hit if they were trying to stop him then, then preparing for, like, the massive shit storm he's about to pull in. And I think that a lot of people in the, not not out here, because everyone in, in this world loves Hanji and respects them, but people in the, in the Attack on Titan universe were very 
critical of how they handled the Aaron situation because obviously now the people are being like Aaron's the only one who can save us and I'm like I don't know if you've watched the last three seasons but that is just statistically untrue Aaron is a bag of dicks and that's it like literally people just want him for his dick and I don't understand Mikasa and Armin take Gabi and into the room and Armin has that whole thing where he compares Gabby to Aaron. And it's very cinematic. We get it, the parallels. They've been there since the beginning. Okay, so so they're sitting at the table. And then Aaron comes in with his bleeding palm. The fucking... Like, I get what he's trying to do with the bleeding palm. But honestly, that scene, I was just like, this is so fucking stupid. Like, I get that you're threatening to destroy this whole fucking building by turning into a titan. But really? (laughs) Like, what is that? What is it? He really just was like, you're really not gonna gonna make it? Uh, I don't understand. Armin and Mikasa know better than anyone that he doesn't need, like, a cut on his hand. To turn into a fucking titan. If anything, they're the two people who already know, like, shit, if he doesn't like anything, he can just go like that. Okay, but also, fucking Armin is the colossal titan, so basically, he could transform and then just, like, fall on top of Eren and kill him. Yeah, but he know know that he wouldn't. I don't know, I think we're getting to the point where Armin is... Armin's gonna lose his shit at one point or another. Well, he already did, like, mildly lose his shit. That's, like, the- that's the warm-up for what's gonna come. I- okay, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the I've always hated you, Mikasa. Ooh, that hurt. That hurt. Here's the thing. I don't believe him. I don't. I don't- I have- I really liked Aaron, uh, for seasons one through three. I know you didn't, but I really liked him. And I just don't believe him. I really think that he's saying this to try to sever connections with them. Because he doesn't really... He's already drawn a line between him, Jean, and Connie by Sasha's death. They've already disconnected from him. He needed... He needs a way to disconnect from Armin and Mikasa. And instead of being just like a regular fucking human being and just emotionally distancing himself and trying not to care if he ends up killing them, that he needs to make them hate him. So he says the one thing that he knows will break Mikasa's heart and break Armin's trust in him. And that is disrespecting Mikasa. I don't think he actually hates her. Aaron is an unreliable narrator and he is so good at being a dick. And he's being a dick, but he's being a lying one. Like I said, he is a bag of dicks. He is a bag of dicks. Since we're already talking about this scene, and this is more so like, not a question. And I'm, maybe I'm just stupid. Um, And I don't know if maybe they explain it more in the manga or if I just didn't catch it binging the first three seasons. It's at this scene where after he says that to Mikasa, that... You know, then they get up in arms and they get upset and Aaron turns to her and says, you can't hurt me even if you wanted to because of the control he has over the Ackerman bloodline. 
But then it flashes back to the uh, original, like, when she was kidnapped as a kid. And Aaron says that the reason she helped him kill those kidnappers was because deep down he commanded her to. But the only reason Aaron has that power is because he has the founding titan, which he did not have at that time. So how would he have been able to unconsciously have her protect him if he didn't have the titan that her bloodline is like magically inclined to protect? Time is relative and therefore Aaron always had the founding titan. That is bullshit. I hate anime. <laughs> I completely agree, and I thought of that, actually. But remember in season three, at near the end, when Grisha and Grisha's friend, who was the... Kala the owl. I, oh, not the owl. Yeah, the, the guy who ended up, who was like, you need to save Armin and Mikasa. Who's Armin and Mikasa? I don't know. That guy, before they were even born, he told Grisha that he had to save, who had the founding titan, you need to save Armin and Mikasa. And so, they already know, because they have the memories of the past titans, and the past titans seem to also, or at least some of them had memories of the next one, because that guy somehow knew about Armin and Mikasa. Therefore, time isn't real, and he's always been the founding titan. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I understand you don't like it. It's not a very strong point, And I could be so wrong. Like, I, I get what you're saying. And I can see how it can be plausible. And like, like you said, it is a weak point. It is very confusing. And maybe in the manga... Maybe that'll make more sense-ish. I don't know. I bought the last five, and then I'm just waiting. The last volume comes out, like, next month. So thank you, Isayama has been trending on TikTok and on Twitter I and stuff like that. that. And I would just like to say all respect to him who has created this wonderful world and wonderful characters that I absolutely love and adore. Fuck you, though. <laughs> Because, how dare you? Ash and I were talking about this, that it is totally in his right as author and creator of the universe to end it however he wants. But Ash feels like, and I totally agree with her, that he's putting his own legacy before the characters and before a storyline. Because he said in that interview that the best way to end a story is with pain. And I think he's doing that for the recognition of like, oh, he's known for killing his characters. He's known for not giving anyone happiness. Rather than the dedication to the characters that he created and the audience that he's built up. And I mean, he has, there's absolutely no like need for an author to, an author to like pander to their audience or make two characters like canonically like together. Like there's no pressure. I mean, there is a lot of pressure, but it's up to him to decide but I really think that it was a kind of selfish decision to really end the entire show in pain. 
And I think that wasn't because he thought that was the best way to end the story. I think that was the best way to get recognition for his story. Anyways, back on topic now that we had a massive rant. Oh, right. So we were at the table and then I've always hated Yumiksa and then Armin gets a couple few punches in. And then the iconic meme of Armin getting pinned to the table by Mikasa. Man, was that was that a wonderful... That was like our last little bit of happiness. I was like, damn, I wish I was Mikasa. And then all the edits of him like smirking. And I was like, ugh. Okay, so originally when I saw that, I saw the, the screen caps and stuff before I watched that episode. And I thought it was just fan art. I didn't think it was actually in the episode. Me too. Also, I thought it was Aaron holding him down. I did too. I didn't realize it was Mikasa. Then it was Mikasa. And then it was, and then I was just like, ah, ooh. And then a whole bunch of people, I saw the the thing that uh, Armin and Mikasa hooked up just to like release stress and just be like, because they're the only people who like really loved Aaron and no one else really cared about him the way that they both did. And so I was just like, interesting. I ship them after the bombing scene. Ooh, yeah. Did we talk about the bombing scene? I don't think we did. How did we skip over that? Because that's where that's where the people start to turn on Hanji after that. Because the head of the nation is now fucking dead. Which, psycho bitch didn't fucking do anything anyways. Yeah, but also the only reason why people know about Aaron is because fucking Flock went whistleblower and fucking just told everyone apart uh, uh, with like those other people who also yeah who already converted the Jaegerist the Jaegerist which just sounds like the alt-right can we get shirts made um that say anti-Jaegerist and we can wear them as Arma and Mikasa to a convention because I think that would be fucking funny I think that's hysterical I love that. And then we can carry, like, a sign with a picture of Aaron's face. With the, like, red X through it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so Armin gets the shit beat out of him. I was so mad because it lets you, like, it leads you to believe that Armin's actually gonna kick his ass for once. And then Aaron's like, haha, JK, suck it, pretty boy. Armin is so pretty. Let's just take a moment to appreciate Armin. God damn, that he went from adorable boy to adorable boy who would top you in one season. Don't make that face at me. <laughs> All right, what happens? Okay, okay, so then Flock and the Jaegerist, they take, oh, they take Hanji and the rest of them up to, like, those new recruits. And then they kill the the training officer. I liked him. He was a weirdo, but I liked him. I... Oh, I really thought he was going to be able to take them. And Hanji and just had to watch. Oh, because you know he probably taught Hanji too. Oh, 100%. Oh, I know. That hurt. I liked that there, that there weren't many people in the training regiment who were like, I'm going to join the Jaegerist. Like, there weren't that many. But I feel like the rest of the training group who was just like, yeah, we still like want to be in the scouting regiment or at least the MPs or you know being anything is being better than a Jaegerist and <laughs> I just would have been like like if we were there I would have been like ayo Chris let's go beat up some fucking Jaegerist I don't care that Flock has a gun I'm gonna take it I'm gonna break his fucking nose and then we're gonna stick the gun up his butt so we put anti-Jaegerist on the front of the shirts and then on the back it says 
anything's better than being a Jaegerist. <laughs> yeah. The number of training recruits that they had, like, granted, the Jaegerists did have guns. And I know Flock is devoted and would have shot somebody. But I feel like some of those other people that were with him, they either joined because they were pressured into it, they joined because their friends joined, but I don't know if a lot of them would have it in them to just kill somebody who came at them. Yeah. Like, if they all just rushed them, like, just full-on Texas, like, defense line rush them. Mm. Just straight on. Like, we could have done that. Also, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but the armbands that now the Jaegerists are making people wear. I, we did, because I brought it up. Yeah, because I talked about how it was funny that they were doing the same thing that their oppressors did. And then how it all tied back once again to, like, World War II, because it's very reminiscent of World War Two. Oh, you know what we haven't talked about yet? Oh, God, what? Fucking Yelena. She really is the embodiment of you saying monkey and just being absolutely on his dick, which is weird because I'm 99% sure she's a straight up lesbian. Oh, 100%. We, we've already gone over this. She topped peak before she left. So hard. But she's on monkey dick. I mean, can you blame her? <laughs> yeah, no. Yes. Yes, I can blame her. I had to think about the complications of that sentence. Yes, I can blame her. No, absolutely not. No, I hate you and I despise everything. I don't make that face at me. Zaddy. Don't make that face at me when you say those things. <laughs> Does it get all, you all hot and bothered? It gets me bothered. I hate that. I honestly want to know. She is one of those characters that like I love, but I also hate so much because also when we get the scene... After they've taken everybody in the restaurant and is holding them all in that cell. And Armin and Mikasa and Niccolo, and they were talking with her, and it was after she killed one of the other Jaegerists. So I'm like, I, I don't, she, she has her own kind of fucking agenda. Like, she, I think she's playing along with them, and she's got some other plan she's working on. Like, she does not care about the Jaegerist. But... The way she's obviously been hiding these other plans behind their back, even though she was so forthcoming in the beginning. And then we get that scene where they're locked away and Armin's like, but what are you doing? Like, I'm so confused. Like, you say this and then you do this, but now you're saying you're not the bad guy and you're not really on a different side. And she sits down and goes through the whole plan with them, which is what we talked about with Zeke's plan earlier where he's trying to basically take away reproductive rights which we have seen does not go well in any case doesn't work but it's just like one of those things it's like yes technically she's like of antagonist for the show but she's so open about it and not in like the cheesy antagonist way from like other shows or animes where it's like oh here's my whole plan and let me brag about it because you're not gonna survive she's genuinely just like this is what we're doing you know you can agree or you cannot but like I'm trying to be like a human like having like a decent conversation as decent human beings this is what we're doing like I don't want to necessarily hurt you obviously if you really get my way and try to fuck shit up like I'm gonna have to end you She's like an anti-hero, essentially, is I guess the category she would fall into. Because she's not a hero, 
And she's, like, not necessarily really a villain. But she is an antagonist for the storyline. Yeah, but she did kill that Jaegerist who called Sasha a whore. And I was back on Team Yelena. <laughs> fucking Niccolo, if there wasn't bars in front of him, he would have fucking taken that man out. That if John did not hold that man back, ooh, ooh, there would have been trouble. And that's when, when she killed that Jaegerist, that's when I was like, She's really, she's, she's on, on monkey dick team, whatever, which I don't even know if that's really Zeke's plan. Like, we haven't really seen Zeke talk about anything anyways, because, you know, he keeps trying to kill Levi. Can't do it. But she's got some other plan that she's going off of by herself, essentially, because you also don't really see her conferring with anybody. Like, yeah, she tends to be with the Jaegerist, but she's never, like, talking strategy or anything with them. She just is using them as a, mo a mode of transportation, essentially. Was she the one who was talking with Pixies in the in that office when he was talking yes. about the armband? Was that, that was what she, yeah, okay. She's not, I don't think she's aligned with the Jaegerist. Yeah, me neither. But she's using them to... For, like, modes of transportation as well as to get in contact with certain people. Because she wouldn't have been able to get a hold of Armin and Mikasa if she wasn't sided with the Jaegerists. Because they have control of her and they had control of Pixis and everybody else. Alright, let's move on to Zeke and Levi. And their thing... Probably one of the best things ever. My favorite like hysterical which there weren't many moments like that but something that made me genuinely just laugh out loud was when zeke was running away for trying to escape and levi's just looking at him like are you serious are you seriously trying this like he's not like mad or like he's not like oh shit can't get him he's just looking at him like are you seriously gonna make me chase you through this fucking forest Fucking, he's sitting there like, I've already done my fucking cardio for today, and you're gonna make me run some more to chase down your fucking hairy ass? Okay. And then that's when we get the English song, the English rap song that's just in the middle of Attack on Titan, and it was amazing, and I absolutely loved it, but Zeke turned the rest of uh, Levi's team into Titans. Once again. They take everything from this man. He can't have anything. He literally can't have anything, and it's so sad. He can't even have his horse. Like, literally, they take everything away from him. But I think that was probably, like, the most beautiful shot of the anime this season was Levi falling with, with the, the, the titans. Packs. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was so, was, like, a great line. Uh, Levi's just an amazing character. But when he catches up with Zeke, he was like, did you really think I wouldn't kill my comrades? And I was like, ooh, see, Zeke keeps on betting on Levi's, like, humanity, thinking that he's going to put his emotions before the job. And he's fucking wrong. So the problem with Zeke with that is, like you said, he's betting on his humanity. But he also forgets how long Levi has been in this heightened killing business and how many comrades he has lost to other titans and like it's just to the point where it's like 
yes, obviously he had some kind of, like, emotional attachments to these people. Like, they became, like, a new team, his new whatever. But at a certain point, especially in the field that he's working in, and especially with the developments with the Titan Serum, he knows when to cut off that emotional connection. Once they become a Titan, they're not human anymore. There's no way to reverse it. So the best thing you can do is kill them before they kill you or anybody else. And it's a sad, like, horrible mindset that Zeke just hadn't counted on him knowing. Because, of course, Zeke grew up with everyone kind of putting themselves and their friends, like, before the job, before anything. And he just can't wrap his mind around the fact that Levi puts the job and the mission first. And that does not mean that he didn't care about his friends or his team. He definitely did. But is he re He would never let his own personal emotions get in the way of what had to be done. And he had to get Zeke back. And to get Zeke back, he had to kill those people. And they weren't people anymore. They were Titans. So you're right. Exactly. But, like, the other thing, too, is, is like, if... Which I'm sure, because, like, obviously we don't see even meet Levi until he's been, like, well-established in the field. You know, he's already, like, one of the top scouts when we first see him. So I'm sure he was probably like that in the beginning where he was, like, trying to put friends before, like, the job. And then, like, after just doing it for so long and also being, like, the sole survivor a lot of times, you know, you have to learn to cut that off. And, like, like you said, like, he puts the job before that connection with those people because... More people are gonna die if he doesn't do his job. You just gotta give up on like, your dreams and die. Exactly. Like, if he didn't kill them, those titans probably could have easily made it back to town and killed a bunch more people rather than just Levi taking them all out and then hunting down Monkey Man. And then he's just like, every single time, he's just like, what? You've, you're, you're still chasing me? Be like, bitch, haven't you learned have you not learned your lesson? Jesus Christ, man, he is dumb. No, it's because Zeke is holding out hope that Levi is finally going to hit that barrier where he can't disassociate his emotions anymore. But the thing is, is like, Levi has been at this again for so long that there's no barrier, he has no emotions, has no heart. Honestly, probably doesn't even really get attached to people anymore because he just knows, like, I'm sure he kind of feels like a bad luck charm, too. I think he has a lot of heart. I think he definitely makes those connections. I just think he's, a, he's like, for the job. He can't show them, and he just has to push everything down. I think he gets attached to people relatively easily, and I do think that he has so many emotions, but you can't let it like show so you know like those um i don't know i'm a weirdo so i watch a whole bunch of like interviews with uh former cia agents and spies and stuff like that and a lot of them who like make the connections like with people and have to really just do the job are one of the most emotional people and they like are really big empaths and stuff like that but you gotta learn and through experience and through the trauma and through all the shit that Levi has is that he he can't not that he he just 
can't for the sake of the job. Like, it is not helpful in any situation in the Scouts to have your emotions be shown. There is no place for it. That does nothing. Crying over, like, your friend's body is not going to make them come back to life. Being angry and sad and, and terrified that you're going to die, that's not going to make the situation any better. It's not going to suddenly make you live, except somehow for Flock, which is just some bullshit. But you gotta, your emotions don't do shit out in the field with Titans. And they don't do shit when you're going up against fucking Aaron Yeager or Zeke. Emotions don't do anything. So you got to push them away. You got to do the job. Mm -hmm. But goddamn. Goddamn, that poor man. That poor man. So then he gets captured, obviously. And then we see that Flock and Hanji are going in the direction to go get Zeke. But mm -hmm. <laughs> Levi sets up a contraption. Which I'm very confused about. The Thunder Spear? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't he... I mean, I guess Levi was was banking on the fact that, that Zeke wanted to survive. Which I just feel like... No. So, as we've been talking about how Zeke underestimates Levi in every aspect, this is the one part where Levi underestimated Zeke because he didn't think he would actually move enough to blow himself up with the slim chance that he would survive. But Zeke now is desperate because I think at that point, that's when he realized, like, oh, fuck, like, I don't think I'm actually going to be able to get away. So at this point, the best option is to, like, blow up and hope I survive <clears throat> And if I do die, then pray to God that Yelena is still going to go through with their plan. So then that happens. And then as that's happening, Aaron is back at the place. I don't even know where we're supposed to be. The place that has the jail cell. I don't know where they are. It's like an old castle, I think. Yeah. And so Peek shows up and is like, I'm on your side, Aaron, Gabby, and then just starts speaking truth. Can you, can you not? Um, and, uh, it's just like, they're gonna, the Marleans were horrible to us. They oppressed us. Like we were, we were built to be cannon fodder. Like we mean nothing. They don't care about us. And then she's like, I'll kill you, Aaron. And Aaron's like, fucking try it, bitch. Immediately called her on her bluff. Immediately did that. And then did the whole, like, I'm on your side, Aaron. I've decided I want to become a Jaegerist. Please, please, Aaron. I want to be on your side. She's obviously lying. I don't think anyone was really fooled by that except for Gabby. I don't think Aaron was really fooled by it either. I think he was just like, mm, okay. <laughs> but the thing was is that wasn't to fool him. That was just to distract him before fucking Poco fucking jaws is it out of the ceiling let me tell you how that could have been better here's the thing is that peak did full super villain like horrible thing where they did their evil monologue we're like haha i have tricked you giving aaron a split second to realize what was going on and kind of save himself because if she didn't do the whole there's the traitor. It's you. He probably, like, 
might that would have taken away a couple seconds from his reaction time. So I think Pete kind of fucked herself over at that point. Very nice cinematic moment, though. I think that was the key phrase that they had agreed on for Porco to go... Because, like, yeah, that does... That is stupid. But I think... I don't know. I think they were assuming he's stupider than he actually is. And, like, I mean, he's pretty stupid. Don't get me wrong. But he's not that stupid. No, I'm just... I just am imagining, like, Peek and Porco, like... Being like, okay, we're gonna trick him. It's gonna be great. Okay, but you need to give me a signal of when it's like when it's when it's ready. I don't know. Maybe we should do bird sounds. No, bird sounds are stupid. You're gonna be in front of everyone. He's gonna know that. Okay, we gotta think of a think of a phrase first. We gotta get him up. Oh, I'll trick him. I'll think that I'm on the same side as him, and then go up, and then he's gonna. I'm gonna tell him like, oh, I know where the traitor is, and then he's gonna look out, and he's gonna be tell me where the traitor is, peak. And then here we go. I got the idea. Here it is. You come out. When I say, there's the traitor, and I'll point at him, and then he'll be so shocked. And you go up and you grab him, and everything will be fine, and nothing else will bad will happen to us. Everyone's going to survive, and we win. And then they're going to, like, high-five, and it'll freeze frame, and the credits will roll, and... And it'll say, to be continued. To be continued. That's what I think their conversation... I think that's how that went. Honestly, I agree. But... We see Aaron do his little lightning thing to where it seems that he was ready to transform. All right, so that is the uh, the entire fourth season, part one. And uh, Chris, do you have any questions? Uh, yeah, because we didn't even cover this like at all. Mikasa's a princess, and she has a tattoo birthmark on her hand. Is it is it a birthmark? Is it a tattoo? It's got to be like a tattoo because she said like. My mom gave me this and told me to hide it. But I'm like, has she always had that? Did she get it later? How did that not come up earlier in the other seasons? Because, like, they're trying to make that where it's, like, an important thing right now with this other country. But, like, honestly, I don't really understand why the other country's there. Like, I get that they wanted to do a a treaty where they would help them if they needed it, but... Honestly, it doesn't sound like that other country can really bring anything to the table for them. No. Well, they want Mikasa to have babies and continue the line. No, I know that. But the reason, like, that that whole nation is there. Oh. I thought they were just there to collect Mikasa and she was just like, nah, I don't want to leave. And they're like, ah, we will change your mind. No, they were there for another reason. And then they found out about... Mikasa, and then they were trying to take her back, and she was like, fuck you, no. I got shit to do here. She's like, no, I don't want to go sit pretty in a throne room. She's like, I want to go knock some heads open. Yeah, so that's a good question. I don't know. Because that, honestly, like, that felt like it came, like, so far out of left field. And again, like, I don't know if that's something that's covered more in the manga, because I know neither of us have read the manga. Okay, here's just a prediction that I thought, and I told Chris about this. I thought that Flock was going to get the Founding Titan, or I think that he might. That's my thing because of how season four started with Flock waking up, not Flock, Falco. (laughs) With Falco waking up um, like the same way that Eren does in season one, I thought Falco was going to get, is going to get the Founding Titan. And that's why he has like his past memories like already. Cause time is relative and nothing means anything. And I fucking hate it. And I'm starting to lean away from that, but it's just 
something that I thought of in my brain. I already think we both know that Gabby will probably survive till the end of the season. I'm pretty sure she gets a redemption arc and that makes me upset because I hate her. I saw a whole bunch of stuff on Pinterest about her and Sasha, like Sasha forgiving her and Sasha like watching over her. And I think it's really cute, but also fuck Gabby. <laughs> Bitch needs to die. <laughs> Bitch needs to go to Gracefield and then get adopted. Somebody, oh my God, I think I sent you the TikTok, but somebody was dressed up as mom with the paperwork. Yes, I saw that. I loved it. I'm like interested to see how everything's going to play out because we've part two has already been slotted for only eight episodes, which from what I've been told is I guess people are saying like they think it's enough time to like action pack the rest of the chapters, which I don't know how many chapters are still left after where season part one ends. I have been told that, I mean, shit's already been, like, hit in the fan, but at this point, it's just gonna be, like, basically constant diarrhea hitting the fan. Like, there's no end in sight, and it's all slippery, and we're all confused about everything. Alright, do you have any more questions? Yeah, I think my main one was Mikasa was a princess, what the fuck. That's that and then the loophole one that I was really proud about when I discovered and then you had to go and fucking crush my ego about that. I have another one or I think I kind of have an idea but it might be a spoiler so I'm not going to say like exactly but how did or not how because I know how it happened but Historia's pregnancy question mark. I think it's Aaron's. Yeah I also think that but I don't know if it's confirmed or not. I don't either but I saw a TikTok from two cosplayers and they were Aaron and Historia and this was like before I even started watching Attack on Titan so like I don't know if that's canon but I think it's Aaron's I don't think anyone from ever from season one through three that I've ever seen on any fan art or anything ever shipped Historia and Aaron before season four I hadn't either because everybody was too focused on the lesbians she's gay I don't like it uh, but it's okay because season four is just, it's, uh, it's fan fiction and season, uh, Attack on Titan ends two years after season three when Niccolo shows up and they live on the beach and they have beach houses and Levi opens a tea shop and everyone's happy and Niccolo and Sasha are together forever. <laughs> That's what happens. That is canonly how the show ends. Season four is just an alternate universe. Yep. So... That's, that's it. That's season four, part one. We'll, uh, we'll definitely do another podcast next year when part two comes out. And, uh, we will cry all over again. Or I'll cry all over again. Probably even harder this time. All right, thank you so much for listening to us ramble about Attack on Titan. Next week, we have no idea what we're talking about going back to the usual schedule. We'll figure it out. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Weed Cafe Podcast. Also, send us an email if you want to give us suggestions, want to tell us how wrong we are about everything. Uh, make sure to email us at weedcafepodcast at gmail. And uh, follow both of us on Instagram if you want to see content that has absolutely nothing to do with podcast. Crispy Cosplays and Claire Witch Project Cause. This episode is brought to you by Fuck Flock, uh, anti-Yeagerist <laughs> organization that we are starting right now. 
Um, if you would like to join, please tell us on Twitter. Uh, we will start taking donations and we will get shirts made that say anter, an, anter, anti-Jaegerist on the front with anything's better than being a Jaegerist on the back. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.